to the side and spit. He rained out his burner. Mama looking at me, crying. She asking when they can stop the murder. Till when they fresh stop burning. Till there there's no more hurdles. Pop grain up, no kernels. This lean designer, no Virgil. No Tesla, I'm a mega pilot. Welcome back, man. It's the All Hustle No Lock podcast, and we're doing this every single day now. It seems like we have a new guest bringing in fresh content. We're here today with a really, 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 really two special guests, I should say. Um, they've been doing their thing. They have a really great pod, the Hoop Todd Hoop Talk Pod, um, available on all streaming platforms. They're here to come talk some basketball with us today. But I'm also joined with Kev, as per usual. But let's swing it to Jalen and Ryan today. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, your platform, what you do. Um, some of your interests, and then we'll get to the potting. Yeah, Ryan, go first, bro. Yeah, so um, when I first started the pod, uh, we were in the middle of lockdown in May of 2020. I was sitting on my couch one day, and my professor at Towson, Dr. Elliot Powers, gave me the idea of starting a podcast, and I always wanted to get into basketball. So I actually remembered from working with Jalen in our sports journalism class, uh, we did a part in the interruption-themed sports segment to close our our uh fall semester at Towson that year and I just kind of remember the chemistry that we had and the fun that we had in doing it and I just thought let's just turn this into a podcast and uh once I got the okay from Jalen we were off and running that's great yeah, man. To hear, I mean, man. great go ahead yeah I mean I, I mean that's pretty much the start of it in terms of what the hoop talk podcast is all about it's about trying to spread knowledge in terms of the basketball basketball as a game in its entirety right so a lot of people focus on the NBA and we love the NBA it comes first in terms of our content you'll see that throughout um, a lot of our seasons NBA dominates what we do the most but we try to dabble in a lot of different things the NBA G League has been one of the new things we've tried to embrace so far this season the WNBA was something that we honed in a lot during this past season celebrating their 25th anniversary year. Um, I mean, we've dabbled with other things like the TBT and things like that as well. But the main thing is just to talk basketball. College basketball has been huge for us the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, across the board, our whole goal is to try to just be multifaceted in terms of this basketball space because there's a lot of great podcasts like you guys out there that we can reach out to, that we can discuss, share takes with. And it doesn't have to just all come under this one umbrella of the NBA or just under this one umbrella of a team specific, you know, podcast. So we try to branch out, be a little bit more generalized. And I mean, it's been a ton of fun doing this for like, what, almost two years now, Ryan? So. Yeah, a year and a half. And I think I think what makes it even more fun is when you have a Knicks fan and a Bulls fan debating basketball. <laughs> oh, my gosh, bro. That's crazy. But again, I, I will say I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. As I said, again, it provides a, a holistic view to basketball. Like it's not just NBA. It's from start to finish it. And one thing I will say is I, I give you guys credit for covering the WNBA because that's a that's an underserved community in the basketball sense. So um, I, I like that you guys shed light on that because I, I sit there and I watch your highlights. I watch some of your clips, your IG reels. So I am I am a, I am a listener. I'm an avid listener. I'm not just I'm not just <laughs> saying that. I, I watch it out. So yeah, appreciate um, it, man. Appreciate copy it. Copy some of the bets too. But <laughs> um, yeah. But let's get into it though. So, so I guess. We're gonna, Rob, before we start, hold on. Go sorry. ahead, go ahead. Um, Happy to have you guys on. Listening to your last podcast, no Andrew Wiggins slander will be tolerated today. Oh, how, God. Oh, no, hold on. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to explain to you guys how it works, right? Us Canadians, <laughs> amongst ourselves, we can talk about Andrew Wiggins all you want, all you want but we're not going to let someone from the outside speak on him negatively in our presence. That's it. Hey, just, yo. Right? <laughs> Rob, go ahead. 
<laughs> so let's start it off, man. It's all going to be in good faith today. Let's get it going. So again, for those of you that don't know, the NBA trade deadline is right on the way. Um, it's right around the corner. I believe it's February 10th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and typically, the NBA trade deadline is one of the more eventful days on the NBA calendar because, again, every year there's the rumor mill. There's people that are supposed to get traded. There's people that demand trades, and you don't really know who gets moved. Sometimes the stars you think get moved actually do. Sometimes it's ancillary players. Sometimes it's a it's a whole break the internet scene like when Boogie went to the Pelicans. Like you don't know, and that's what makes it so fun and eventful. So I, I do want to get your opinions on some of these trade rumors that are spiraling around the NBA right now and just kind of get your sense of legitimacy, whether or not you think it's real, whether or not you would actually do the trade and whatever else comes along with it. But let's first just give a quick recap of one trade that happened most recently. Um, February 4th, <clears throat> uh, the Blazers made a trade. Uh, Blazers trade Powell Covington to the Clippers while the Clippers get Norman Powell, Robert Covington, and Blazers get Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second round pick via Detroit. Um, and I'll, I'll say it to you, Jalen, first. Like, does this trade move the needle for you? Because this doesn't, when I, when I saw this trade, I don't even think I, I, I read the, the end of the article, to be honest, because when I hear <laughs> names like Eric Bledsoe and Robert Covington in the conversation, I knew it was GG's. So I want, oh, I, want, <laughs> I want your opinion on this trade. Just generally, do you think it, it moves the needle for either team or does it do anything for you? What, what's your thoughts? So, I mean, I think it does a few things. Um, in terms of Portland, right, the first thing that comes to mind is that they're trying to save money. They're trying to make a move in terms of being able to come below the luxury tax, put themselves in a prime position to be able to make some other flexible moves. I was recently on the the Go to podcast with my friend Thomas Christian, and we had talked about the trade initially. And something that he had quoted was the idea that for Portland, this only looks like a good trade if there are other trades to come. If this is their move, right? Fair, if this fair, is their yeah. sole move before the trade deadline, then what are you doing, right? The only upside <laughs> pick that you come up with in this, in terms of the tr- of their end of the trade, is getting um, Keon Johnson. In exchange, and I think they did get the uh, the uh, second round draft pick as well, which I guess you can leverage, but mm, it's a little dicey. From the Clippers standpoint, for me, the thought the thought that I had was this is a move that you're making with the anticipation that Paul George must be coming back at some some point during the later end of the season. Right? Mm-hmm. There was reports that it seems as though they're not as optimistic about Kawhi Leonard returning, but. It felt like such a playoff push kind of move, right? Grabbing a guy like Rocco, grabbing Norman Powell, already having guys like Reggie Jackson on the team. It seems like Ty Lue's got these guys playing with a certain level of fire, and they've kind of added a little bit more firepower on both ends of the floor. Robert being somebody that can be a really good help defender, something they can definitely use because they're one of the better wing-led teams in the league. And then you talk about a guy like Norman Powell who can be a bench scorer or a strong number two, number three option next to Reggie Jackson and Paul George if we're talking about playoff scenarios. So I think the trade definitely benefits L.A. a lot more, not only long term, because if I'm not mistaken, I think Norman Powell is uh, going to be expiring, but Rocco's locked up for another year. So that kind of helps them a little bit. I think in terms it's of the other way around. The other way around. OK, so, yeah, either way, it helps them a little bit in terms of long term security. Um, if Rocco's the one that's the expiring, that actually kind of works out a little bit more too in their favor. So I think the main thing is LA came out with the dub and didn't have to pay very much. And I think Portland, if that's their lead move into more things, that's a great sign. But if that is their only move, then they are even more devoid of a direction now than they were, say, a couple of weeks ago when a lot of the Dame CJ stuff was really starting to, you know, surface. Agreed, but Ryan, let me let me hear your talk. What, what 
What are your thoughts on this? I'll preserve mine because mine's a little bit more radical, but what are your thoughts, Ryan? <laughs> so I think this is great for the Clippers, terrible for the Blazers. So just looking at uh, the Clippers side first, because I think if anything, this gives them even more depth than what they already have. And I think when you look at this team fully healthy, when they get Paul George back, possibly when they possibly get Kawhi back, or, uh, Kawhi back as well this season, I think that this team fully healthy can be very dangerous. You look at the other side with the Portland Trailblazers, they get Eric Bledsoe, they get Justice Winslow, they get Keon Johnson. I think Keon Johnson's a nice player coming out of Tennessee. And if you are going in the direction of a rebuild, that's a player that you want to have on your squad. The Justice Winslow and Eric Bledsoe moves don't make any sense for me because this, I think alluding to uh, Jalen's point earlier, what is their direction? Because, you know, if they're rebuilding, this kind of makes sense. But if they're going for a playoff spot, I'm not sure how these moves, how, how are these moves move the needle for you in the Western Conference? If I'm not mistaken, the Portland, Tra- the Portland Trailblazers are 10th in the Western Conference right now. I'm not sure how Justice Winslow and Eric Bledsoe are going to help you win more games in the Western Conference. But I think if you're rebuilding, Keon Johnson's a great player, like I said earlier, to have on your squad. I think he'll bring you a lot of value in the future. I think two things. Clipper side, I think you got Norman Powell for free. I, I'm of the belief that Paul George isn't going to play again this season. Like It doesn't seem like everything that has come out regarding his elbow injury has been more negative than positive. So I think they're trending towards him not playing. But the fact that Norman Powell's contract is like the ink's still fresh. I think he's on, under contract for the next four years. I was just looking at it. So you got Norman Powell. You got up off of Bledsoe, who's making similar money and doing absolutely nothing for you, even with all the opportunity in the world at the point guard position. So you get him. Robert Covington helps you this year, even though, again, they're fighting. I think they're going to continue to fight with or without Paul George and Kawhi because they don't have draft picks, right? So they're not incentivized to tank this season. So they're going to continue to fight. Maybe Robert Covington stays next year. Maybe he doesn't. But at the end of the day, you got Norman Powell and you gave up Justin Swinslow, who is a borderline role player in this league, and you get Eric Bledsoe. Now for the Portland side, as far as I'm concerned, Dame got traded. On oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> that's, that's, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong on that That's one. what it is? Come as, on, far as, as far as I'm concerned. Because you gave up Norman Powell, who's probably, what, your third leading scorer. He's he's played, all he's done in Portland is play well. They just signed him to a four-year contract, gave him about 20 mil a year, and you trade him. For, for pennies nothing. on the dollars, yeah. For nothing, right? You get Keon Johnson back, who's a player with, potential i guess but after that there's literally nothing else that you got back in that deal eric bledsoe's still under contract next year for 19.3 million so they're headed towards a um a reboot that's as far as i see it and i think dame's getting traded in the offseason if he was healthy now maybe he still he would have got traded yeah like i i agree with you kevin honestly like i'm I'm saying the same thing basically the clippers the clippers they, they they ran they ran away with it. Like I just don't understand how this they lose in this bet because their Bledsoe was garbage to begin with. They had to relegate him to the bench, right? They had guys like Coffee in the lineup outballing this guy. And I didn't even think Bledsoe was washed. I didn't think he was that done. But now it just shows me that he's not nowhere near the guy that I thought he could have been this season, right? With the opportunity. 
But yeah, they rather get into the bench. You get Norman Powell, which is a serviceable rotation player, if not a legitimate starter in this league. And as much as we may think that Roko is bad, the league doesn't think he's that bad. For whatever reason, he still gets contracts. I don't know I, I why. Think he's, I think he's a useful player. I think he's he horrible. Defensively. But the thing is, I think his reputation takes him further than his actual performance because he's not out there I agree. taking yeah, all I think the big defenders anymore. Like, you know? Go ahead. I mean, I think the big point off that, just when you talk about his reputation, I think the idea is that everybody views him as like a very solid defender. And I think that people take, like, people don't understand that in this version of the NBA, especially positionless wise, that being a great on ball defender and being a great help defender are two exact, two completely different things, right? Mm-hmm. Alex Caruso is a nice point of, point of attack one on one defender against ones and twos. Rocco is a good help side defender, good zone defender that can go between one two and three and it looks good because it looks like he can cover somebody for two to three seconds and it looks like he's locking them down the truth is he's playing within a scheme and he works well as a puzzle as a puzzle piece within a complete puzzle i think the other thing too like you look at the closing lineup for the clippers you add robert covington in there and you also add norman powell i think it's a good balance of self-creating spacing and pretty good defense when you add robert covington into the equation I don't really know what the closing lineup was looking like originally for the Los Angeles Clippers, but I think this definitely benefits them more by getting a guy like Robert Covington. Yeah, he can play center, right? Yeah, like, definitely. Small and then ball. they like to go small. I think. I think what I'd say their ideal lineup to close is probably Serge at the five, and Serge is, doesn't have much gas left in the tank. So like getting Robert Covington again this year may not um, make that big of a deal, but if he can stay beyond next year, I think he's. I think he's a good. Agreed. <clears throat> so that that's the most recent trade that happened. Um, that happened on February fourth. So not too long ago. But again, we're expecting more trades to come up in the next upcoming days. But here's a here's something I want to propose to you guys, right? So I have a list of trade rumors, right? Some of them I believe, some of them I don't believe. So I guess what I want to do is I want to open up the floor and I'll start. I guess I'm gonna propose a trade rumor that I think is actually gonna happen or I think is feasible, and maybe I'll just pass it around. You guys shout out a trade uh, rumor that you heard that you think might actually happen or something that you would like to see happen, and if not, we'll just go back to the list. Um, the one I have right now is Bradley Beal, right? So I know we've been beating this drum for a couple of years now, right? Does he want to trade? Is he going out like mellow? No disrespect to the Knicks fans, but. <laughs> Is it, it, it comes down to it because I was watching the Bill Simmons pod the other day and they, they brought up a good point. They said he's nowhere near a super max type of player. Even when you were averaging 30 a game, I still wouldn't give you the super max. So I don't think Washington's going to be able to give that contract to him this offseason and be confident that all of a sudden their team's going to pull a 180 and be able to start winning games. So like I believe that this is the perfect time to trade him. You're going to get the peak value. There's guys that are available to be traded for. We have Ben Simmons, James Harden. There's a bunch of guys, whoever we want to get into later. There's a bunch of guys that are on the table that are willing to get moved. And I just feel like right now, Washington doesn't have any direction. They started out the season well. They kind of fell off the table after that. They've been struggling to win games now. Beal's not really looking like himself despite having a relatively good season by NBA standards. For him, he's not really having that great of a season. Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't know if someone zapped his powers or if he wasn't that good to begin with, but it's just bad. he's looking shaky out there. He's like he's bad. Rui Hachimura has one leg. Like it's just it's a hot mess out there. And it's just like right now, I feel like if you're gonna get the most you would get for Beal, you need to pull the trigger now um, because it looks like it's gonna get messy in the offseason, Personally, okay, okay. So I don't know if that's wild think, though. Go ahead. So no, I I don't think it's wild at all. But I'll, I'll 
phrase this in the form of a question back to you. With mm-hmm. all the recent stuff, and we'll probably touch on it a little bit later, but with all the recent stuff surrounding James Harden, granted, they said that they're not going, talking about the Brooklyn Nets, are not going to trade him at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the buzz around that puts it in a situation where now when you're talking about Daryl Morey looking at what he has in front of him, it's the idea of acquiring either Bradley Beal now or being patient and trying to acquire James Harden later. Now, granted, both are gambles. You acquired Bradley now, James might come available and you're nowhere in the play. Or you wait for James and maybe he's not as available as you think come the summertime or even with him becoming a free agent if he he's not open to doing a sign-and-trade in terms of you know being mm-hmm. able to be acquired by Philly and he wants to go somewhere else. So I guess my question to you would be, if you're in Daryl's shoes, what do you feel like is the smartest play for you? Because those are the options that he has to weigh the most right now. So I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> the way I think is might might be a little bit different the way Daryl Morey thinks. I think that guy's a pump faker, to be honest. <laughs> but okay. I'm taking Bill right now. We see how Embiid's playing. He's playing at an MVP level. They have mm-hmm. guys right now that are outperforming their pay grade. Guys like Tyrese Maxey are going out there balling. Seth Curry balling. Tobias Harris, despite his contract, is still playing well. Depending on the pieces that would have to get moved to acquire Beal, if you can maintain somewhat of that core and bring Beal to the table to take off some of the scoring pressure from Embiid and be able to to be a guard. like I just feel like Embiid hasn't played with a real guard, like a, a prototypical guard um, mm-hmm. since he's been in Philly. And it's just like you could wait for James Harden, but then what happens if James Harden legitimately isn't available, right? And you miss an opportunity, you miss a window. I feel like you have the pieces now. You have a disgruntled star on the sideline that wants to get moved right now anyway. You pull that trigger. Nine times out of ten, you pull that trigger. You put the pieces together. You see whether or not Joel can actually be that number one guy to get you to the promised land with a second star um, beside him. And if it doesn't work out, then hey, it doesn't work out. But I'd rather that than to go into the offseason predicting James Harden to do X, Y, and Z. And then he stays put. And then now we're back in the position looking at Seth Curry to save us. That's not it for me, personally. Pull the trigger. You have to pull the yeah. trigger. I think, I think you lose your job if you deal in ifs. Like if you have something in the... I said if there, but if something's in front of you in terms of Bradley Beal right now, waiting until June for Harden to make a decision on whether or not he wants to stay in, in New York, in Brooklyn, that that's how you lose your job, in my opinion, because then you might end up with neither. Right. I'll take Beal. If Harden becomes available, I don't get Harden. Sucks, but I still have Bradley Beal, who's one of the top players at his position, the same position that James Harden's playing. So, And I think Beal's maybe a better fit naturally but we know the infatuation that maury has with harden so <laughs> it's a love love relationship for real <clears throat> but um jalen i'll swing it to you what, what's one trader me you heard around the the rumor mill that you think might happen or go down or even if you think it's ridiculous just shot it out. let me hear um i mean mine's is not as zesty as maybe bradley beal but one of the things that i've been paying a lot of attention to is Karis lavert to the cleveland cavaliers i know that that's like not from a name value standpoint obviously it's not on the same level as james or bradley but in terms of being able to upgrade at a position of need that could help you not only this season, but in seasons moving forward, I think Cleveland has to really ask themselves what they want to be, not only this year, but moving forward in terms of their plan. This was a team that nobody was expecting to be really in the playoff picture, let alone top five in the East right now. And when you look at their circumstances, you have Darius Garland, who just made the all-star team. Shout out to him too, because honestly, I think he was a fringe all-star guy who actually made the cut, and I, I think that's a huge step for him in his development. You have Evan Mobley, who people are comparing to like a young KG and a young Tim Duncan. And I think it's a little I think it's a little hyperbolic, but at the same time, I still feel as though he has a significant amount of upside. You have Jared Allen, who I think could have been an all-star. I'll make a 
bold claim. I think he at least should have been in over uh, Chris Middleton. That's a something to discuss, and we can table at a different time if y'all want to. But <laughs> that's one of those things where I think they have legitimate guys up front. And you look at some of the other guys who are playing really well for them. Isaac Okoro is growing for them. Um, they're getting good. They were getting good minutes early in the season um, from Ricky Rubio. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the offseason with them. They have a trade chip in Colin Sexton who they might be able to go and use to facilitate something or maybe just retain him at the end of the season. And yes, relegating to the bench is kind of a tough play, but he will easily, we're talking about a 20 point per game scorer at one point, he would easily be one of the best six men from a scoring standpoint in the league day one if you tell me he's coming off as your first guy off the bench. So then you talk about Karras. The one place where Cleveland struggles the most is wing scoring, right? You have Isaac Okoro, who's more of a two, playing the three for them. I'm one of those people who do not believe in Jetty Osman that much. I know that he's played relatively well this season. But look, as a Bulls fan, I've had to rely on Ryan Archie Diacono to play legitimate <laughs> point guard minutes for me. I know what it's like to have somebody play minutes at a position of need just as a filler spot. That's kind of what Jetty is right now. Karis Levert gives them another perimeter score outside of Darius Garland that you can give the ball to, run offense through, and be in a situation where you don't really lose a beat in terms of having an offensive shot creator and not having to force it inside to guys like Evan and Jared all the time. So I, I just think that if Cleveland is trying to be a legit playoff threat for now, for now and moving forward as opposed to still trying to build young, Karis Levert might be the perfect medium to get the best of both worlds in that. But at what cost, though? Because my thing, here's my thing. I understand that, like, you're a young, up-and-coming team, but again, I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is not knowing who you are and thinking mm. that you've realized your potential too soon, right? Like, we understand that, obviously, Evan Mobley hasn't hit his prime. Darius Garland's right. still budding. There's a lot of guys on that team that still have a long ways to go in terms of development. So I'm looking at it from the perspective, like, what would I have to give up to get a Karis And is that hurting the success or the development of the players that I have right now, because you can make a big splash, but if you make right. a big splash, come out the second round and you give up a chip in me to get that person, is it really worth anything? And like, can we be honest? I think Kerry sucks. Like, Ooh. I think he sucks yeah. to be yeah. honest. Okay. Yeah. It's empty buckets. Like, you know what I mean? And they're not even good. I agree buckets. with that. Okay. I do agree with that. I do agree. With like, you know, he, he's a good, let me rephrase it. He's a rotational player. I just don't think he's good. Like, I don't think Karis Avert is the guy that's going to give you the lift over the hump. Okay. I mean, he does come off as more of a stat stuffer. Obviously, he's done that in a couple of different spots. I mean, mm -hmm. in the end, they are so quiet right now. But at the same time, he's dropping like, you know, 15 plus a game. I mean, you talk about their the, the uplifting. I think the price to pay is the part that makes it the most tricky, right? Because I think the biggest thing is Indiana's probably going to want to first. I don't know if Cleveland should be giving up first. And Ryan can attest to this. I've said on the podcast, when it comes to Cleveland, the, the big existential question they have to ask themselves is, are you smelling the roses too soon? That's do it. you That's think that you are that much? Do you think that you are that good this year that is, a st that is sustainable moving forward? Or is this a flash in the pan? We saw this with the Knicks. Again, Ryan un understands this a little bit more directly in this case as a team that was at the forefront of the league as being one of the most surprising teams, not just in the East, but in, in the entire NBA, and then kind of falling from grace the year after. The question they have to ask themselves is, how bought in are you into this? I think Darius being named an all-star might make it a little bit easier for them to want to believe, but I think I think the truth is, I don't know if they should make the Karis trade, but I think the Karis-Levert trade will indicate to us as fans what Cleveland thinks of themselves. 
that's kind of how I view it. Yeah, I agree with that. Ryan, what do you think? So I I know Jalen brought this trade up a while ago, and we actually did a trade episode of uh, players that we want to see on different teams. And ironically, Karis LeVert was one of those players that we wanted to see on a different team. But I feel like bringing Karis LeVert on the Cavaliers, I think it messes with their formula, if you think about it, because a lot of their success has been because of their front court. It's been because of Jared Allen, who I still feel like should have been an all-star. Evan Mobley, a strong candidate for Rookie of the Year. They're getting pretty good minutes from Laurie Markkinen. And Jalen, as a Bulls fan, knows that, look, they didn't see the best from Laurie Markkinen in Chicago, but he's actually fulfilling the role that's being asked of him in Cleveland. I just think it's been it's been interesting to see the philosophy because before the season started, we talked about how this team and their front court, we had a lot of questions about it. We didn't think that it was a good idea that this team had multiple players in the front court that, you know, they really didn't have a lot of, you know, guard depth. They didn't have a lot of scoring coming from the guard, uh, coming from the guard department. Now you look at it, you're getting most of your scoring from the front court. And then Darius Garland is stepping up and now he's an all-star mainly because Colin Sexton went down with injury and then Rudy and uh, uh, Ricky Rubio, uh, he was a guy coming off the bench that was providing a high amount of scoring for you that was keeping you in games. I remember he actually dropped 37 points against the New York Knicks coming off the bench a couple of months ago. And now he's going to be gone for the season because he had a torn ACL. So is Karras the guy coming off the bench for you to provide that scoring? I know Jalen made a case for it a couple of months ago. You can argue that he is a that he could be a strong microwave scorer for this team. But I think in all in all uh in all reality, I don't think they need him as much as Cleveland thinks they do. I think that this team could push for a trade at the trade deadline, but I wouldn't even mess with this formula because it's been working for them so far this season. I think it's way too soon, personally. Um when going into the season, they would have never expected to be this good. Right. And when things like that happen, I think you're supposed to take it for what it is and look to build on it instead of, you know, trying to rush it even further, because we can't say for sure what this team, how good this team is going to be next year. Right. Jalen um, brought up the comparison like between the Knicks. I don't think they're the Knicks because they have they're a young, talented team that's going to continue to grow as opposed to being led by a guy like Julian Ra- Julius Randle, who's kind of peaked. So I think that's the difference. But. The fact still remains that they can easily go back to being just a 500 team, not even back to be, but they can be a 500 team. And then a guy like Karis Leverts just takes opportunities away from Garland. And I think you get put in the same situation that you had with Garland and Sexton and when you add Levert into that mix again. So it's like, he's not the guy to me. If there's a guy that you're going to go make a big splash for, it's one of those star players that we don't expect him to be in the market for. So I, I'd have no interest in a guy like Levert. Again, Rob said it. I'm not a fan of him either. Like I've never really been a fan of him. Um, he sucks. His, his <laughs> he struggled with health, obviously. But I feel like anytime he's, I think the what I'll say to you guys, because um, I said this before on the podcast, his maybe ten games in Brooklyn before he broke his ankle a couple of years ago is basically what his reputation has been built on ever since. True. And I just have, and even then, like to me, he was he was putting up good numbers, but it wasn't that crazy where it can sustain him this long. Where you know injuries plus, um, you know, eighteen points a game, 
since then it's not enough for me that's all uh ryan what do you have a uh, trade rumor i do have a trade rumor so this is actually interesting because buddy heel's been a player for the sacramento kings that's been in trade rumors for like four years now because i feel like he's always been in the trade market somehow and he's always been penciled in for trades going to contend going to uh playoff contenders as a guy who can come off the bench and be a, a excellent, be an excellent sniper uh, from a, uh, be an excellent sniper. So I think Buddy healed to the Minnesota Timberwolves is going to happen at the trade. Deadline. Ah, I am very, very, very convinced that this wow, trade happens. My God. So, Have they reported that at all? Or you're just coming up with that? Oh, one? sir. I no, no, this has not like been that. reported. I like that. I like that. This is, this has not been reported. This was a, this was a trade scenario that I came up with. Uh, when Jalen and I did our trade scenarios episode on players that we want to see on different teams. Buddy Heald has been, has been a guy coming off the bench for the Sacramento Kings as a high-volume sniper. And what's the one thing that the Timberwolves could use more of? They could use more. Uh, they could use more uh, you know, scoring and more three-point shooting, and especially coming off the bench. If you look at this season so far, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards have been two of their more reliable shooters. I think if you get Buddy Heald, he's not only an off-ball threat, but I think Buddy Heald would get would would uh give Minnesota more spacing on the floor for not only Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, but also D'Angelo Russell to operate as well. So I think if there's a player that ends up going to Sacramento, it's probably Malik Beasley. Because I think even though uh, I think they're they're I think Minnesota is looking to upgrade at that position. So I think there's a chance that Heald ends up in Minnesota because Jalen and I also talked about this as well. I'm all in on Minnesota this year because I have a feeling Minnesota can make the play in tournament, but I think they also have the ability to secure a top six seed in the Western Conference when it comes to the playoffs. I'm I'm sold on the Timberwolves right now. So so what happened to Malik Beasley? He's dead food or I think they just need an upgrade. Fair. And fair. Malik Beasley Malik Beasley's been a pretty reliable three point shooter, but I think they just need somebody who can do it more consistently. Can I can I ask a question to the to the panel and see where y'all like stand on this? So Ryan's trade proposal involves Buddy Hill. That hasn't been rumored, but what has been rumored is the idea of them, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm saying, wanting to acquire Marcus Smart. I would make the slight argument that having somebody who has a little bit more defensive presence on this team that has been a lot better on defense than I think we would have expected coming into the year. I think upgrading defensively is a little bit more important than getting more scoring for a team that has plenty of guys who would love to average 30 a game. So the question to you guys would just be like, do you, who do you think would be a better fit if they had to aim after, uh, if they had to aim for somebody? I mean, Patrick Beverly and Malik Beasley are up for, you know, they are guys that Minnesota has thrown out there as potential trade guys. So it's not like they're safe. And Marcus Smart has been associated with the team. I don't hate I told told Ryan this on the episode. I don't hate the buddy heel fit. I do question the idea of them needing more offense, but I don't think the idea of being able to acquire a, a top level three point shooter is something to snuff at either. But Marcus Smart gives them a little bit more ball handling, gives them a little bit more deep or a lot more defense, I would argue. And I mean he still shoots shoots a three relatively well. But like where do you guys stand on that kind of thing? So, uh this is this is an interesting one because 
Say it, man. Come on, man. Let's be real, man. I'll let you get to it. Let me let me say my man. Ryan mentioned Buddy Heald, and at first, like going to Minnesota, and as he says it in my head, I'm like, all right, that makes sense. But then I remember Michael Beasley's there. Then Jalen mentions Malik Malik. Malik Beasley. Sorry, Jalen mentions mentions um Marcus Smart. Again, in my head, sounds good. But then I remember Patrick Beverly's there. So at that point, I'm just looking at the Minnesota Timberwolves and just saying, which player is worse, Patrick Beverly or Malik Beasley? And I have to say Malik Beasley because even though he's supposed to be the shooter, okay. he's shooting, I think, about 34% from deep this year. Yeah, he's shooting 34% from deep. And yeah, Buddy Heald's shooting a little bit better than him. But the other thing, too, I think the, the knock on Buddy Heald as well is that, you know, in the 2020 season, he was shooting 39% from three. This year, he's shooting just below 37% from three. So maybe uh, the the hit that he's taken in three-point efficiency might affect his value. Yeah, I think maybe. But for me, with I look at Buddy Heald as one of those top five t- type shooter guys, like in terms of percentage and be able to put the ball in the basket. So I don't even um, – I, I look at him as a 40% shooter, regardless if he's shooting 30% this year. That's just how I see him. And that may be wrong of me, and then that might, might end up with me paying more for him than I should be. But that's just kind of how I see him. I see him as one of those elite guys. But, yeah, the only thing I'd have to the Malik Beasley um, trade is just the fact that he's locked in for another – two years with a team option so uh, why would sacramento take that back would be my question to that but yeah if i had to decide i'm taking buddy healed over marcus smart and i'm i like marcus smart for what he does and i also like buddy healed a lot for what he does robs will give the contrarian take so let, let, <laughs> let, let, let's be honest guys man we can cut the fluff marcus smart sucks man like okay and let me let me preface it by by saying this right <laughs> We're in a league where you have to put the ball oh, in the man. basket. You have to put the ball in the basket. And if you're not putting the ball in the basket, you're actually a detriment to the team. I understand we can talk about the advanced metrics. We can talk about the intensity. We can talk about hustle plays. But at a certain point, you're handicapping my team when you're out there. Right? And I think this is the same problem that we see with a lot of quote-unquote defenders. You're a defender, but you have to do more than that. You can't just go out there, and especially Marcus Smart, the way that he goes out there and shoots the ball. The confidence in which he goes out there with the ball is atrocious. It, it's <laughs> embarrassing. He goes out there and you would swear if you watched the game and you didn't have the, the, the box score in front of you, you would swear he shoots 36% from the from three-point line and you would swear he's above 40 from the field. You'd swear the way that he takes the shots, that he's an actual shooter. It can't be done, man. It cannot be done. I understand he's providing plus defense, but at what cost? Because if now if you're on the floor and I have to add an additional shooter at a position that wouldn't normally need to have an ex marksman, I don't know if I want you on my team as a starter. Or what, even a, hap- honestly, I don't know, man. I don't know. But what That's happens if you have D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and, and Anthony Edwards on your on, on the, in that lineup? Because that that position where you have to find a shooter now is Carl Anthony Towns at the center spot. But you see, I think this goes back to one of the previous conversations. Like Kat is a great three point shooter objectively, not even for a big man, objectively. But again, is that where you want him to get the majority of his shots? Do you want to now have to force Cat in the position to where he has to be the guy to stretch the floor? He's been doing it, don't get me wrong, and he's been doing it at a high clip, but we should be tailoring the offense and tailoring the team to get Cat easier buckets. Not bringing okay, a guy wait. to the, Yeah, go ahead. Okay, wait. So I got I to gotta ask you something based off that same statement, right? Yeah. So, okay, you have two guys in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who both are north of 30% usage, a piece, right? a piece. So you're talking about a guy 
who is playing a lead ball handling position who is not getting to handle the ball. So you're talking about some people being forced into roles that they might not, that they, you might not want them into. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who basically, when you talk about two guys on their team attributing for about 60% level usage from an offensive standpoint, mm-hmm. I would be an atrocious shooter too if every time I touch the ball, I feel like I got to hoist it up, right? See, there's, there's, we've talked about history though, right? Let's talk about the history because there's, okay. he's never been a good shooter, ever. Ever. He's never been a good shooter. Never, never, never. He, and again, I, I'd understand because in, I agree with your point. This season, he's been put in a position where he's having to, first of all, he's been having to be a lead guard, which I don't think he is. He doesn't have the ability to pass guys open. And I feel like that's why a lot of times you look at Boston's offense and it's stagnant. It's a lot of heavy isos. It's a lot of hard buckets. And I, I don't want to blame Marcus Smart because, again, I think Boston re- needs a real point guard and Marcus Smart is not it. He's just doing what he can based on the circumstances. But we could talk about the history. He's never been a good shooter. Okay. He's never, ever, ever been that's a, a good I mean, that's a fair point. I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, it's hard to argue against it. I would just say that he's being forced to play a lead guard position on a team with two guys that already have a lot of ball handling responsibility. On Minnesota, you would reduce his role significantly in terms of what he does on a on a night to night basis. And I think that would maximize his overall impact on the game. You say that we we say that about defensive guys all the time, right? When you ask a three and D wing to be all star level, when all he does is shoot the three and play defense, you're asking him to play outside of his body. Marcus Smart, I wouldn't call him a shooter, but if he's a guy who can go out and be a plus defender for a team that needs more plus defenders on the wing, because mm-hmm. let's be honest, Anthony Edwards has been better on defense, but he's not good enough to cover up for D'Angelo Russell defensively. I think Marcus Smart has the ability to do something like that as opposed to somebody like Buddy Heald again. I mean, if uh, Buddy Heald, to me, if Minnesota's goal is to beat everybody scoring at least 150 points, and that might just be their philosophy, but if that's their, if that is how they're going about things, I think that that's the route to go. But Minnesota has been so much better defensively this year that I think you should try to add upon whatever whatever that biggest biggest weakness is. And although they've been better, I still feel like there's ways to go with that. Marcus adds a little bit more of that. I agree. The only thing I'll say is that I've seen Marcus in a reduced role, and it wasn't much better. We see uh, when Gordon Heron was there. We see when JB Tatum, the whole gang was there, man, and it wasn't a, much better. Again, this is where okay, we, we've had this debate multiple times because Rob's is the guy that hates Marcus Smart. Like that's not I, true. I don't think oh I don't think he's I don't think he's bad in what he does. Like I think he's a very good player, and I think I don't know, but I'll give it to Rob's on this one. Me, I had for my list. I, I have Julius Randle, so I'm gonna just say the name and put it out there. Knicks fans can go ahead. <laughs> Man, you know how how many times I've heard Julius Randle and trade rumors. Like I don't I don't know what. Okay, so I don't know what the prospective trade market is right now for Julius Randle, but it seems like it seems like right now there's a love hate relationship with Julius Randle, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why. Because like he was just coming off of an All Star season last year, he led the Knicks to the fourth seed in the playoffs the year before. And now, like, the team arguably gets better when you add Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, although there was a stretch earlier in the season where Kemba Walker was just not performing for them. Like, I, I'm not sure what the market looks like for Julius Randle. And unless this is a play for Zion Williamson, because I'm not, again, like, I, I talked about this before the podcast started. The Knicks already have RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish. If their idea is to go after Zion Williamson at the trade deadline, then fine, fine. Reunite the Duke, the Duke trio, and then so be it. But like, I don't know who you get 
Like who who do you get for Julius? Like what's the value for Julius Randle right now? Zero. And I, I, yeah. So I I'm just I'm trying to figure that out right now. Like what's the the trade value for Julius Randle? So I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll throw this question to you guys. Like, what players do you think could end up on the New York Knicks in a Julius Randle uh, deal, possibly? Um, for me personally, it depends, right? Because New York has a certain philosophy, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but th- these guys don't really like to do things organically, right? They always like to manufacture a squad. It's always <laughs> a veteran here, a big signing. They just don't like to do things the way that it's supposed to get done, like how Memphis built through the draft, right? Do it organically, and you'll see that, granted, it doesn't always go right because the Kings have been trying to do that for years, but you know, if you're a competent organization and you have faith in your management, it should go according to plan. With but they're not competent. Years. But you know, you know what the crazy thing is? Like They didn't even have a bad draft this year. They got Miles McBride and uh, Quentin Grimes in the draft. Come on, man! Come on! I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you. Quinn, I like Quinn Grimes. Come on! I, come I on, like, man. I like Quentin Grimes. I like Miles McBride. He's been killing it in the G League so far. But Kevin Knox, um, nah, Kevin Knox was swingless. <laughs> Frankie <laughs> um, Smokes. No, that, nah, Ke- Kevin Knox was a swing in the miss. Frank Nealakina was a good defender, but I just don't keep. I, I just Frank? didn't think he was. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Ah, filthy. Frank, he, he, no, he was a good defender. I'll give, him, I'll give him that. Man, Quentin Grimes? That can't be who we're talking Quentin about. Quentin Grimes was really good in college, but we just haven't really seen a lot from him. I mean, he had that one good game against the Bucks when uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the Knicks players were in COVID protocols. I watched but. that, yeah. With Randall's contract, I don't know, man. I think to get him off your team, you have to attach something to it. Like, I don't, yeah. To be honest, he, again, another fresh ink like that. They just signed that deal, and he's on contract for the next four years, so I don't know. It's just... That's just the scary part, man. When the player just plays out of his mind in a contract year, it's it's the it's the biggest gamble there is because you want to reward a guy for what he did, and he did a lot last year, no doubt about it. Brought the Knicks back to a, a place where they haven't been for like almost a decade. So you give him all that money, but now it just looks bad. And the other thing is like, yeah, timing wise too. Like he just got the contract. At least let him play the contract, like play out through the contract. That that's the thing because like I've. I've been kind of in the middle of the trade rumors because I, I there's a part of me that like wants to see where he goes outside of New York, but then there's also a part of me that wants him to stay because I still feel like the New York Knicks can make some noise late in the season and end up uh, out of the play-in tournament circumstances and, and end up as a playoff lock. So like if you can find something better for him, then do it, but I – Again, I'm not sure what the the market value is looking right right now for Julius Randle, considering he just signed a contract. Right. It, uh, the thing about Julius is, I like Julius's game. I, I like I like his game a lot. Right. Like he's a rangy forward, size, can rebound. I don't know if he plays defense. I, I generally don't know if he plays defense. He can hit threes too, which is crazy. He used to be able to hit threes. <laughs> those, those days are behind him still. Um, he reverted back. But I will say this. I do like his game. And all, honestly, all jokes aside, his game is good. And I think that the, the hard part about it is, is now you trade him. And what is, he, what is he for your team? Right? Is, is he coming in to be a guy? I don't think so. Is he coming in to play second fiddle? Mm, to who? Right? Like he has a unique play style where it's almost like he's perfectly suited to be the best player on a bad team. Like he, to me, that that that's his play style. Like it's conducive towards getting a lot of counting stats, but in the margins, are you actually contributing to winning basketball? And I don't know if his 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 performances do. And I think that's part of the problem, which is why I think they got exposed in the playoffs. Um, but that's no slight against. Um, I mean, I, I feel like they could have used more outside shooting too. 
because definitely, definitely. But what that, that's can- where like Kevin Walker and Evan, Evan Fournier came in because they could help out with that because they need they needed some like high level shooting too. But I feel like every team needs extra shooting. You know what I mean? And he was the, he was part of the reason. He was the guy that was supposed to stretch the floor based on the regular season. You're out there clipping it up at forty percent, like you need know I mean? and then you disappear to the shadows. I don't know about Julius Randle. I think it's just I think his mind is, is has left the building. So I think he's just. He's just playing basketball now. Like obviously, we've seen reports of how he's going back and forth with the New York media, giving thumbs down, bullying, whatever. Then you know how those New York fans, um, how they are. But I mean, the other thing too, like you 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 mentioned earlier, that he's like the best player on a bad team. You know, he was the best player on the team uh, last year, but the but nobody was expecting the New York Knicks to be this good. Fair, fair. That is fair. Yeah. Things change when expectations get placed, right? Like once we give you a hundred million, you can't go out there and shoot forty one percent in the first year of your contract. It's just yeah, that's true. That's true. Forty one percent. But there, there's there's certain yeah. expectations, and like, yeah, I do kind of feel like he's, you know, at 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 points this season he's played below his expectations. But for the most part, I mean, I think he's a great player for this team. But I just. Like I said, it's just it's just a weird position for the team to be in if you want to trade them, considering that you also just got Cam Reddish, and it seems like you upgraded at the small forward position. Even though, you know, to your guy to to your points earlier, like he's not getting a lot of playing time to really show how good he is. So, so I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this, and this is no disrespect. I I generally want to ask you this. Two questions, actually. Okay. Right. I heard reports that Cam Reddish is not going to make the rotation. I, I, I don't know how truthful that is. That that's that's what the reports are saying. That Tom Thibodeau has no plans of integrating him into the rotation. And two, would you give Julius the same contract again? Would I give him the same contract again with the numbers? Like right now, if you say you said you liked how he played and he's a good player and you like him and whatever or not, but would you give him the same contract? If he had to, if he, if if this was his contract year and he did what he did last year and he did what he did this year, are you giving him the same contract? It's it's just interesting because like I'm looking at it statistically and. Mm-hmm. You know, last season kind of seemed like the outlier because he was shooting over 40% from the field, or, mm-hmm. or should, uh, should I say 45% from the field, 41% from three. You know, he was he never really shot uh, close to 40% from three in his entire career so far. Right. And that's what makes it sticky. That's, you, that, it that's what makes it sticky. Is it an anomaly? Like, we got to talk about it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, maybe is it is it the contract and maybe he kind of reverted back to – being the the old Julius Randle, I don't really know. I don't think I can answer that question now because I, I think that you know I just need more time to see him as a standalone guy on this team because we really only got to see Julius Randle as a standalone guy on this team for like two years. So I think it's more about like the timing purposes. And then when you talk about the reports with Cam Reddish being out of the rotation, once again, like I can't understand it. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're if you're talking about the the lack of production aspect, I mean, maybe that there's a point there. But at the same time, like this kind of reverts back to the Kemba Walker story, where he basically was just benched and he didn't play for like 11 games, and then when he came back, he had one of his best games of the season. Yeah, so maybe this is like a, a motivation aspect for Cam Reddish, but I just like y- you put a player out of the rotation only for them to come back and have like a, a couple of great games. Like what point are you trying to make? I think people have been asking Tibbs that for years, to be honest. I'm very confused here. Cause I just, I just thought about it too. Like, you know, a player is p- performing badly. You take them out of the rotation. They come back and they play better. 
Like, I'm not sure what, what point he's trying to make. Maybe Jalen can answer this question because uh, Tom Thibodeau was the coach for the Bulls for so many years. I mean, oh, brother, don't throw me into this pot. Tom's the reason why Derek I'm Rose throwing you into this one, Jalen. No, I, I do want to see it. I do want to see it. I do want to see it. No, sir. Because why is he in the game? Why is he in the game? <laughs> Because the thing, I mean, because when you talk about stuff like that, I mean, okay, as a resident Bulls fan, I'm just going to say what everybody else already knows. Tom Thibodeau is the reason why Derrick Rose is a Derrick Rose. Exactly. Right? I mean, I feel like that's like that's a safe bet to say that and not feel like you're going to get hit with a brick by a Bulls fan. I'm pretty sure everybody can agree that Tom Thibodeau is the reason why Derrick Rose isn't Derrick Rose, at least to what the peak of his powers was, right. uh, I should say. So with that being the case, it's kind of hard to really – make any sense of it right you talk about the idea of of them taking him taking guys out of rotations putting them back in they come in and kill and he kind of fluctuates with their minutes well kimba walker took him out of the rotation completely right ryan we even discussed this on the podcast takes him out of the rotation completely comes back kills granted i would say he only had one game where he really like killed right he got like that little like pseudo triple double that was like 10 11 and 12 it wasn't even really anything crazy but like he came back, plays well, and now I'm over here because we, were, of course, we're talking about trade reports and stuff like that. He's somebody that they're willing to move off of. Like, <laughs> this is a guy who goes from being everybody hyping him being picked up in the offseason because the Knicks needed to do something, essentially, is what everybody believed, to then him getting put on the bench, to then him coming back and playing well for a little while, to he's on the block. Who wants him? You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where I can't speak for him. I can't speak for Tom because. I think at the end of the day, he just wants people who think like he does. And I think if you don't, the only thing that's getting you on the floor outside of that is if you're just good enough. Like, if you're just good. Do you think, like, for example, Tom is one of those guys who doesn't like to play like young guys. Do you think if R.J. Barrett wasn't taking third overall, granted, still the same type of player, but wasn't taking third overall, that he would have the leeway? to play with RJ's minutes the way he's able to play with, like, a multi-time all-star like Kemba Walker's? Like, do you think they would be able to do that? I don't think so. So, I don't – I can't speak for Tom, bro. I don't know. That that dude's got his own business. He tried to build the, build the Timber Bulls in Minnesota, and I wasn't really feeling that either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Tom Tom can do whatever he wants, bro. He can do whatever he wants. I'm but not like, a Knicks fan, so it's all cool. I, ha- I have to ask this, though, because – I think the other thing that Kemba was benched was because the other reason why Kemba was benched was because he was a defensive liability. Is it because of defensive purposes? Like I know Tom Thibodeau is a defensive minded coach Mm -hmm. and defense has been like the calling card for him for so many years. Like, is it because Kemba Walker early on the season just was a defensive liability and now Cam Reddish is, isn't playing great defense either. He would bench his entire team. Man, he would bench his entire team. When was Kemba good at defense, though? That's a that's a real question. When was listen, he not out of life? Listen, how long before we acknowledge that some of these guys are just not who we thought they'd be? That's what I'm saying. There we go. There Come we on, go. man. As I said before there we started, we and you guys corrected me. I said five. You guys corrected me. Cam Reddish has not been good for four years. <laughs> That's tough, though. That's, Before that's again, tough, though, bro. the last level of basketball that Cam Reddish was good at was high school. Mm-hmm. I can frame this any way and make it look worse, but the the point is, we got we have to move off of him as him being somebody that is going to be a difference maker. If he turns into one, great, right? You got him to next. You got him for next to nothing to come to New York. So if he turns into one, great. But the idea that he's supposed to be one or that he's going to turn into one is a little far-fetched and it just sounds like fans hoping that this guy who 
again, we have a perception of, even though we have not seen it, you cannot go on YouTube and watch a full game of Cam Reddish being good. <laughs> He's not lying. <laughs> I think the other thing too, okay, so let, let's kind of put this into, into perspective real quick. Cam Reddish was taken with a six overall pick in the 2019 draft. There has to have been something that intrigued the Atlanta Hawks into taking him with the six overall. Of course. Pick. There yeah. had to have been. Yeah, of course. But what was it? Hype? Getting compared to Paul George coming out of high school? Strict hype. <laughs> I think, I think, I think I, that's literally I, what it was to if, me. To be honest with you, I think it was the pedigree of him coming out of high school because he's an amazing high school player, right? Coming out he of was. high school and then him being in at Duke and him being relegated to a third, over, third role, everyone looked at it, me included, and saying, okay, we expect him to be better than he was at Duke because anywhere he goes, he's not going to be asked to be the third um, best player on his team. But the fact of the matter is, any rookie walking into their team is most likely not the third best player on their team. In fact, you're probably worse. And we have not seen him, again, we're talking for a very long time now, be put in a situation where he has to compete and come out on top, right? College, okay, Zion, RJ Barrett, fine. We'll give you the pass. It's only one year, college pedigree coming out. Atlanta, you still have not been able to find your footing. And guys like Kevin Herter, who had a lot less pedigree than you and were drafted a lot later than you, have been able to outplay you for multiple years now. And now we're going to the next. This is the last chance. That's all I'm saying. And he's. I think he's been given too much of a leash already. I mean, you, you have a point, but at the same time, like you look at his stint in Atlanta, and I think DeAndre Hunter was taking more of the minutes away from him. Fair. But yeah, Kevin Herter's been great. And as a Maryland basketball fan, I love to see Kevin Herter playing great basketball. I also loved in the uh in the playoff series against the 76ers when he just went off in game seven. Uh oh, yeah, that's that, a big game. That that was very fun to watch. But uh no, I, I I can see your point because at the same time, you know, you look at the wing depth on the Atlanta Hawks at that time, he was competing for heavy minutes with uh DeAndre Hunter. He also was injured for uh a couple for a couple of uh runs throughout his Atlanta tenure. I hope he gets a fresh start and I hope he can make an impact in New York. But like I said, I I think like you said actually, Kev, I like how much of a leash do we have left to give? It's looking real Josh Jackson y I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Ooh. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Whenever you get traded on the rookie deal, it's never really that promising, if we're being honest. No, sir. Josh Jackson was running from the ops. You can't you can't put him in the same. Come on now. I think from an upside standpoint, I mean the thing that made Josh intriguing in the in the first place was just the fact that he could jump out the gym. I think Cam at least has more of a bag. I just yeah. think that, Agreed. like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, so I know. moved from it, man. <laughs> I, what to I, say. I would say the, the issue is that uh, the distance from the, from, from what we saw as a bag and what he is currently displaying is tough. I just don't think, look, you get drafted by an Atlanta team that ends up being way more deep talent wise than I think we would anticipate it when he got picked up. I think DeAndre Hunter was honestly enough in that draft and getting Cam Reddish was kind of a sweetener considering the circumstances. And you talk about how deep that squad is and was uh, last year in particular. And then you move to a Knicks team where you don't get to play. I feel like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I think he's just on a, I think he's just never ended up in a situation where he can let him fly. Right. Like even Zaire Williams, who got picked up uh, by the Grizzlies, people thought that he got taken way too early considering he didn't really ball out at Stanford. I was included. Now he's legitimately starting at the three for them and playing good minutes. And he's not hurting them in terms of being able to come out with getting wins while being able to still, still learn on the fly. I think Cam is like in a similar spot. He just came into the NBA with a lot more pedigree than somebody, somebody like Zaire did. So the leash is a lot shorter. 
But Cam's hurting you though. Let's let's not let's not move away from the point I, though. He's definitely give him a year. Let's give him a year. Yeah, he's I, him four. landing middle of the season. Nah, but him. I know new team, but him landing in the middle of the season. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna write this year off. I'm gonna give him one. I and have if, faith. If in he doesn't. If he doesn't pan out, I don't even want to hear his name again. <laughs> I, I think it's more of like a. It's more of like a fresh start kind of thing. Because like I, I, I do kind of have that way with a lot of players because I do kind of want to see them on a different team. I want to see like how they they work within their uh, within their new environment. I'll go ahead and just say that. But I'm just. I really want to see Cam succeed, and I hope he can. He can be the Cam Reddish that we saw in high school um, as opposed to the camera that we're seeing right now. I hope he gets a fair shake at uh, yeah, uh, I, with the, with the Knicks. Me too. Yeah. I definitely agree, but it looks like our trade, our trade rumor mill bodied up the episode, which is good because I feel like this is the right time because come this time next week, the trade deadline would have passed. So it's a good thing that we got the chance to express all of that. Um, I had a few more things on the docket, but I feel like this was a more fruitful conversation than, than, some of the other topics would have happened to been anyway. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to stick to the stationary topics. I like when the conversation flows and we're just able to talk basketball. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like honestly, right now trade deadlines around the corner. Um, as I said again, February tenth, and we don't know what happens, right? And I think that's the thing that a lot of listeners have to keep in mind. It's like we can sit down here, we can politic all day about it. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what reports are real. If it's not coming from Shams or Woj, um, you can't really. You have to take it with a grain of salt. I should say. Um, so again, the next couple of days, we should see a lot of things heat up. We should see a lot of um, trades be discussed. I don't know if anything's actually going to get done because, again, we've had trade deadlines that are on, you know, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. So it's really depending on how teams are feeling about their teams moving forward, luxury tax, players being disgruntled, whatever it may be. I'm not going to mention one man, but we all know who we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all good for today. But I do want to give you guys an opportunity. Talk Utah. Ah, uh, we can talk Utah quickly. We can talk Utah quickly. Talk <laughs> Come, on, quickly. Man. Come on, let's open it. Let's open it. We can talk Utah quickly. So, for those of you that don't know Utah, let me let me throw it back a couple of years. So, we all know the Rudy Gobert incident when he was questioning the legitimacy of COVID nineteen. He went into the the after after game press conference, touching up the mics, doing the most, hugging up teammates, doing the extras when it was still a bit foggy. The COVID nineteen situation was still foggy. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that that's where the bad blood would have started, right? But now there's reports saying that there's friction between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert um, for reasons other than what is apparent on the court. I personally, I'll start off by saying I don't understand. I don't understand what could have went wrong. Like if you guys came, if the trade didn't happen when Donovan Mitchell was mad at him for giving him COVID, what transpired since then? Because you guys have had success relatively speaking, right? Mina obviously didn't win a chip, but you've had success, playoff success. Donovan's became an all-star. You two have become, you know, a great players, and you're now like a, a, a team that's discussed in the, in, the, in the short list of teams competing for a chip. So what went wrong? Where's this bad blood coming from? Does, is it Donovan Mitchell holding back the aggression to slap Rudy in the face from a year's past? Like, what's going on, right? Is it pent-up aggression? Like, I want to know what's going on behind the scenes, but obviously we're not going to get to go, but... Jalen, let me get your thoughts on this. What do you think about this whole situation or these reports coming out of Utah? I mean, I think it's all just really silly, but I think at the same time, the overall frustration just comes from the aspect that you have two all-stars on a team and they can't seem to really make any kind of legitimate in terms of being more than what we've seen. It's Utah has been a rinse and repeat squad for the last three seasons, I feel like it's a safe bet. Episode and title, episode title. Go ahead, though. <laughs> it's one of those things that like legitimately has not 
they haven't changed in any way, shape, or form that's going to put them in a better position than years past. And that's kind of, I think that's a frustrating set of circumstances. They, I think that, something that you can associate Utah situation with is almost similar to like things that we've heard about De'Aaron Fox this season. Uh, let me explain. So with De'Aaron Fox, a lot of the things that have been associated with him this year is that he looks a lot less engaged. He looks a lot less into it. And although some of the numbers maybe scream that he was, you know, a French all-star level kind of guy, I think the truth of the matter is if you watch the tape, this is a guy who does not try on defense, a guy who does not seem to very much care about the state of the, the Sacramento Kings. And he seems like a guy who needs a fresh start somewhere else. And when you talk about Utah, I don't know if it's the voices up top in management. I don't know if it's the roster itself, but something needs to happen in terms of giving some kind of fresh look to the team because they keep hitting their head on the goalpost. And the the issue with they, they keep hitting themselves at the one yard line, but falling short is what I'm trying to say. So the circumstances with Utah in particular is I think someone's got to go. I think the only way that the team can get better is if one of the All-Stars goes because it's the only trade chip they legitimately have that can help them get better. We all know that, right? Moving uh, moving Bojan is not going to get you a player in return that's going to have the kind of upside to help lift you to a championship. Moving on from Jordan Clarkson is not going to do that for you. We know that one of the All-Stars has to go. And unfortunately, that's something that's a hard thing to come to grips with if you're a market like Utah who doesn't get Rudy Gobert's or Donovan Mitchell's falling from the sky on a regular. So I think all the tension is built up from the fact that this team can't get better and the only way they have the chance to improve themselves is by essentially nuking it in one way or another. It's a nice way to put it. I think the other thing that you mentioned though, Jalen, like they're both under long-term contracts too. So does that have something to, does that have like a a caveat in terms of the trade market in terms of which one you want to keep and which one you don't want to keep. I think if anything, like if you're keeping Donovan Mitchell, I think it's more of a, a futuristic thing because I think you're just building, you're keeping him as part of the, the core of the franchise for the future. Rudy Gobert, I think can contribute as a defensive anchor on a playoff caliber team. I think if someone goes, it's probably Rudy Gobert. But I think only time will tell, considering that the Jazz are on a, a tough losing skid right now. And they actually uh, defeated the Brooklyn Nets in their last game, uh, 125 to 102. But I feel like this still just, this is just tough because this team has really been unable to break the glass ceiling and things are falling apart for them. Not to mention, they just lost Joe Ingles for the season. He tore his ACL and he was a big glue guy for this team. So. I think only time will tell to see what happens. That's a point all in itself. If Joe Ingles is a big glue guy for your team in terms of you being a team hitting your head on the ceiling, that's Joe's, Joe's legit, me. man. Bro, don't do this. You know legitimately – come on, Kev. You know the circumstances with Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is a guy who – he's a good ball handler. I like him coming off the bench as another guy who can play good off defender. ball. I think it, he's a he's a solid. He can hit three. Okay, okay, good but shooter, good shooter. Talk, let's let's okay. keep going though. Let's we're talking going. about an upside guy who does everything you want him to do, and then some. Yet, right? So, okay, we're talking about a commodity, right? Everything you're describing is a commodity that everybody in the NBA would love to have, right? But where does Utah end up? That's not on him, though. That's think- not on him. The only plus defender on this team outside of Rudy is who. Rice, Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, Mike Conley, Rice, yeah, Royce Rice. O'Neal. I don't know about Conley. He's been kind of. I don't no, know. Royce is their second Ingles. best defender. 
Royce is their second best defender, and he can't even play offense for them. I, I guess, but so on the pecking, so on the pecking order of that, in terms of Joe Ingles is important as a secondary ball handler. Yes, I agree. But if Joe Ingles is that important to your team moving forward in terms of the championship picture, how close are you? To, how close are you to a championship? I don't think that's a fair question though, because think about it like this: <laughs> on any other team, Joe Ingles is a sixth or seventh man. That's what I'm. That's exactly my point. If in on any other team, he's a sixth or seventh man. Him going down due, due to injury being a big blow to your team means what? No, but that's what I'm saying, though. He's a sixth or seventh man on this team, but any other team would pay to have their sixth or seventh man to be Joe Ingles and what he provides, right? So, again, maybe, yeah, he's not going to be the one mm-hmm. to say, yeah, you want a chip, but he's definitely part of the process. Like, he's definitely a contributor. He's definitely in the races for Andre six Iguodala. He's a Sean Livingston. He's one of those guys. Yeah, I would even say he's a, he's a notch above those guys because he was in talks for six men of the year last year. I think him and Jordan... Clarkson yeah, tied him and Jordan it. tied, I think. Yeah, like he he's my, a contributor, man. Let's not do that to old steady Joe. <laughs> I'm trying to hate on Joe. I'm it's, just it's saying. Not he, real hateful on that. If his side. value is as high as it is, I think that just goes to tell you, like, you're talking about one of your older players on your team, somebody that you're only going to have but so longer anyway, I think because he's almost due. No, he's, his contract's up in the offseason, yeah, too. He's so actually that actually, makes it, that actually oh. makes it tough right now that he tore his ACL, and he's – and it's also tough because it's going to have to take him into the 2023 season too. So that's what I'm saying. So you're talking about a guy who, like, I mean, for I'm just saying for the like his value in in terms of uh, mocking up somebody that you want on your team is great. But I'm saying when you look at the fact that you have, I'm saying when you have the ideal pieces, right? You have a lead guard in Donovan Mitchell. You have a lead rim defender in Rudy Gobert. You have a strong six man in uh, Jordan Clarkson. You have a secondary ball handler like Joe Ingles. You have a solid like perimeter defender in Royce O'Neal. Right, I can keep naming them off. Mike Conley, you can keep naming them off. You have all the pieces and you have gotten where? That's why I'm saying that it comes to the point where Utah has to look themselves in the mirror and make a decision because how can you have all the answers to the test and still fail the test? I think that's the well, other thing, well, though, so- too. Like, what if it's coaching? You know, what if this is on Quinn Steiner? Uh, well, well, that's the easy they answer. That the, they did that with the Bucks, and that's the easy we answer. did that with the Bucks too, right? With Bud, with Bud, and Bud was coaching his tail off to, <laughs> like, to survive because he was getting, You know, that's, it's just hard to like pinpoint like what's wrong with the Jazz right now because as a unit, this team should have won a championship already. Hence the frustration. At the same time, no but way. like I think they should have in 2019. I think I think in 2020 they absolutely had a chance to win the championship for sure with when that I- team. But I think also like like who's like who you like blame? You know, like do you blame Donovan Mitchell? Like do you blame Rudy Gobert? Do you blame Quinn Snyder? That's or why I think just, all the frustration comes from. Who yeah. do you blame? You don't know who to blame. You don't know who to point the finger at. The only thing you can do. Like, is do you I, blame it on ownership for constructing this team? I like, blame Rudy Gobert. I blame Gobert. Right, hold on. What? I blame Gobert. Hold That's on. the only nah, reason that like defense Rudy has Gobert a is Hold on. I understand okay. that. I understand that. But hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I understand that. And let me just say this quickly. I understand for as much, and again, maybe I'm a hater of defense. Maybe that's what it is. I understand your defense is paramount. It's key to the team, everything. I get that. He's a defensive end. I get it. I get it. I get it. This guys. team does not win without him, Rob. But I, I get that, man. But you have to give me some more output on the end. You have to give me more. In the words of Shaq, if you're shooting, if you're that big and you're leading league in boards, I need more than 16. And maybe that's where the beef stems that's from. a lot. 16 a game is not a lot. Cut can, it out, man. Can I, can I tell you what I think the beef stems from? I think it's I think it's just but them being c- complete polar opposite in terms of players, right? Donovan Mitchell is a guy that can score the basketball, not even break a sweat. Sometimes I watch him, it looks like he's jogging up. Rudy Gobert, on the other hand, is going to lock down the paint and make people scared to even shoot the ball when they come in. And I right. think Rudy Gobert has come out 
publicly even this season saying like, we got to play defense because guys are just walking right by us, right? That's going to annoy a guy like Donovan Mitchell because. But that's the other problem too. Like you look at the playoff series last year with the Clippers, like who was the guy at fall for that series? Rudy Gobert. Uh, well, to be fair, Gobert got ran off the court. Right. True. Yeah. But like but a lot of the blame was put on him. Yeah. I don't think it was his fault. I think it was just who he no. was. He got ran off the court. But yeah. again, I think, I think it's just a lack of respect because between both sides, obviously it starts when the whole COVID thing happened. I think the whole organization is probably just on eggshells around them and is probably just hypersensitive to any flow in their relationship at any point. So after the COVID thing, if they get mad at each other on the court one time, everyone's looking at it. Everyone's questioning, are, are they all right? Are they okay? And then once you just look at basketball, like when they're on the court and just Gobert's mad that guys are walking past Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's mad that Gobert can't catch. Right? Like it's I'm just tired. Like, I'm giving you 25 a game. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm but tired. again, right? Robs doesn't respect defense, right? And I was about to say because what I, I see exactly what you're saying, Kev. So what you're saying is on from Donovan's standpoint, it's like, dude, I'm giving you 25. I'm giving giving you 25 a night. Where are your buckets at? And Rudy, from a defensive standpoint, is saying, dude, I'm giving you three blocks a game, and it's the only reason why nobody wants to come into this paint because you're basically a baby crib to them. Where are you on the perimeter from a defensive standpoint? I think that polar opposite um, play style is something that kind of rubs people the rub, would rub rub them to opposing forces like the wrong way because they're both all stars in completely polar right. opposite like if, play styles. That makes and sense. If, and if I compare it to let's say Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? There's enough similarities in their game where there's going to be a mutual respect there. We we can both get a bucket. So right. even if even if we both have shortcomings on defense, which I don't think they don't, but for example, we can at least look at what we do at this we can what we do there's commonality in that and i can respect you to some sort but complete polar opposites in Gobert and donovan mitchell and i think that's the problem and that gets heightened when you already have a problem that arose in the past that if we're being honest you probably never really get over that right just how it happened i'd be i'd be pissed Fair. i'd be pissed but i'm team spider yeah. out here team, <laughs> team spidey 25 a game at 6-1 and you can't give me more than 16 fuck your defense all that. I just think that's the other thing. Like, okay, like it's one thing to take like scoring and it's one thing to take defense, but like, like I said earlier with the future, right? Donovan Mitchell's in what his like fourth year in the league, fifth year in the league. Rudy Gobert is like seven or eight years, nine years in the league. Like, do you, do you focus on keeping Mitchell for the future as a franchise cornerstone or do you focus on keeping Gobert as a strong defensive anchor? Like, do you, do you somehow get a trade off for, like, I'll just say Miles Turner as an example? Like, <sighs> that's a, I don't that, know. That's the thing. That's <sighs> Let me ask you a question. Let me them. ask you a question, Ryan, because you brought up a good point. If Gobert is, if this is the best version of Gobert, right? And we, he has a 25 point score on him right now, how can someone justify making him the focal point or keeping him as the star and building around him? What would you need to add to Gobert to make the team better than what they are right now? You need more defensive. Uh, you need more defensive. You know, acumen but on that, the team. Is like, that Roy, not Roy at the expense can... of scoring, though? That's at the expense of scoring, though. That, that's the thing. Like that. That's a question for ownership, though, right? Because right? I think, fair. like, it, it depends. Like, what direction you want to go with your team, right? Because of course you have you know Rudy Gobert, who is a a top five, uh, you know, defender in the paint. You know, you look at the out the other defenders. Like Jalen brought up a good point. Like, who's their second best defender? Royce O'Neal who doesn't really provide a lot on the offensive side. You need a guy who can do both. And that's the thing. Like the, the jazz have players that are either really good on offense or really good on defense. 
you need players that can do both. I've, I, one thing I will say, I think this is a bit premature, like just acting like everything's falling apart here, just because I, I feel I like agree. maybe I, I could be wrong, right? But I remember them being like one of the top teams in the West before Gobert went down and before Donovan Mitchell went down. Like they're obviously on a slide right. now, but it shows that this team can't win without Gobert. Right, I'm not saying that's not me saying which back. team should should get which one should get traded or not. I'm just saying like they Gobert can come back and two weeks from now they've won five in a row and we would even be surprised. I agree with that. I agree. I mean, if you have, unfortunately if you have to make the call between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, I think you go with Donovan Mitchell. Every anybody time. who gets anybody Every who time. gets a co-sign from Dwayne Wade, I think you might want you might want to hedge your bets. You know what I mean? That might be the safe play. But even just more on a realistic standpoint in terms of what you want to go forward with in terms of upside ryan mentioned him being younger but you also want to talk about that athleticism the 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 you you taking some of the intangibles of these two guys and i think there's a little bit more that you can build upon with donovan that i think i think rob's mentioned it earlier there's this idea that maybe rudy rudy has reached whatever peak version of rudy is that's where we already are at i feel as though there's a chance though that donovan mitchell has another gear to reach he just needs to be within a personnel scheme or within a personnel Based situation around him that fits being able to maximize whatever the next level is. Yeah, I was thinking about too. Um, we were talking about trade rumors earlier, and I know like we're not at the stage with Utah where like we have to pick between like who we, who do we want more? Even though we're saying like you know most of us want Donovan Mitchell, some of us want Rudy Gobert. If there's a situation that they trade one of them and it ends up being Rudy Gobert, I think Rudy Gobert to Charlotte could be an interesting fit. Because Charlotte needs a center. Any any center not named Plumley on Charlotte is a dub. <laughs> I've said this all year. You're not wrong. You're you not have, wrong. I've said this on multiple podcasts. I've said this as a, as a guest, as a host, all <laughs> under the sun. If you have a Plumley starting at center, you don't have a center. Therefore, if you're in this market for Christian, Charlotte Wood, doesn't have you have a center at all right yeah, now. Miles Turner, Christian Wood. If Rudy is really somewhere in your ballpark, I don't think so. Um, but I mean, if he's somewhere in your skyline, then obviously you do that. But Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte made a really tough decision by going with uh Kelly Olenek and um and Plumlee in the offseason as opposed to going all like going really hard for Rashawn Holmes, who was available. I think that if Charlotte can redeem themselves at the center position at the trade deadline, I mean they'll be scared regardless. Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert is like the top line version, I would say Miles Turner fits better, but Rudy Gobert is like the top line version of what Charlie wishes they could have at the center position. But I don't think he's nearly as available as maybe some of the other guys that we've seen discuss. Yeah, agreed. Like like Charlotte already has a lot of scores on this team. They just need like a strong rim protector. Like I think Miles Turner would fill on this team, but imagine having Rudy Gobert. You know, if he's available. Yeah, I like I like the fit for sure. Yeah, if he was available, I would call. Yeah, I I, I don't think there's any chance he's available. At least not now. Right, right. No, definitely not. Well, (laughs) it's definitely interesting talking about this though, because I mean, the the scenarios that you can you can bring up in in terms of you know Rudy Gobert trade destinations, like who you blame for Utah's lack of winning a championship in like the past like five years. This is a team that just has not been able to make make the conference finals for whatever reason. Yeah, right. one man was out there dropping fifty-one in 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 Florida, but you know that's neither here oh, nor man. there. That's neither here nor there. But you know what I mean? It's Team Spider. <laughs> I'm just saying, like you know what I mean. The, bucket's <laughs> the ball has to go in somehow. Like you know what I mean? If he's if one man's not going to do it, and the other one's going to put it in. You know, twenty-five times a game, 
putting up 50 bucks. Man, that, oh, man. I'm team Don. I'm team Don, and I've been team Don. If you listen to any pod, I've been team Don. I'm not, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Never switch up. Hey, yo. Um, but yeah, that was, that, that, that was a great pod. As I said, again, like the trade rumor mill is always interesting. Again, like we come into the season, there's always a one, two trade um, narrative that's circling the NBA, especially this year. There's probably been a couple more just with the whole Ben Simmons situation, but as a deadline approaches, you always hear things ramp up. You always hear more rumors and you're not sure which ones are actually going to click. Um, obviously we see one trade go down already, but there's more rumors than there are actual trades going down, obviously. But I'm hoping that in the next couple of days, we start seeing some of these things fire, especially Bradley Beal, because get him out of there. Uh, but that's, that's just my personal opinion. But um, it was a nice pod. Like I really do appreciate it. You guys, anything you want to say before we wrap up? I mean, Ryan, you can do our typical plug, bro. Mm-hmm. Give your shout yeah, out, your so, insights, um, your socials, all that. Let them know where they can find your pod and what you guys do, what content you guys are providing on a weekly basis. And we'll make sure that we, we send it out to our people to make sure that you guys are well welcomed. We have a lot in store. We have a lot in store. Um, Jalen and I talked about how the month of February would be really big for us. Um, we have a couple of big announcements coming up, but just a, a lot of great episodes coming up. We have our all-star special in two weeks, we have an all-star collab with our good friends, Ian Evans and Brooks Warren coming up as well. Um, you know, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on TikTok at the hoop talk pod. Um, we just have so much in store. So, um, you know, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, pretty much wherever you get, wherever you get our podcast. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Jalen. I mean, if you want to add anything else that I missed, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of just moving forward, guys, first of all, really appreciate you guys having us on the show. We always love hopping on with other people and talking basketball. Uh, We'd love to have you guys on as well. In terms of content and stuff moving forward, WNBA free agency is at its peak right now. That'll be something that we probably discuss either later on this month or next month when things kind of simmer down. Obviously, you know, the peak of its powers right now is all-star discussions. And we just saw a lot of egregious stuff take place in terms of the all-star selections. I'm not going to talk about Andrew Wiggins. Y'all told me I'm not allowed. But we're going to discuss some of the stuff in terms of the all-star reserves, uh, talk about the new formatting for the uh, Rising Stars game as well, and stuff like that moving forward. And Ryan kind of hinted at something that's coming up really soon in terms of the Hoop Talk pod elevating itself within this space. That'll be something that if uh, people pay close attention to our uh, our page, the Hoop Talk pod on Instagram, uh, next week in particular is going to be it's going to be it's going to be crucial february 14th everybody mark the date down something big's about to happen i'm gonna look out for that yeah i'm gonna bookmark it right now (laughs) yes sir valentine's day is only a holiday to those who care when it comes to hoop talk podcast (laughs) got a little bit more basketball oriented fun for you perfect perfect yeah man just just yeah just a lot of great content coming up i definitely want to thank you guys for reaching out to us and asking us to come on this was definitely a really fun discussion Thank you uh, for me. I just appreciate you guys coming on. This is great conversation. You guys know what you're talking about, and that like <clears throat> makes the discussion like all the more fun. So appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. I, I always like to have people on the pod and, and welcome them to to be as candid as possible, right? Like, <laughs> I, I like people to come on here. And again, I took a liking to your podcast because I listen. You guys know what you're talking about. You understand basketball, not just from an NBA level, but from top top down basically so i i really appreciate you guys coming on here being honest um you know being candid providing some takes because again we could have our pods everybody's has a pod but sometimes you need a little introduction of a different perspective to kind of keep things spicy so i really appreciate it um jalen and ryan it was it was perfect for you guys to join us today um as for usual we are the all hustle no look podcast available on all streaming platforms 8 a.m's every monday um we never skip a beat 
never hoard a good thing because again, um, as Ryan and Jalen know, a lot goes into creating a podcast and maintaining a podcast. Consistency is key. And again, the amount of legwork that takes in that has to go down behind the scenes is it's no small feat. So um, we really appreciate if you guys can share it with whoever's take, willing to take a listen and obviously listen for yourself. But um, yeah, it's a lot of work, but we're here every single week providing the same content. So uh, once again, shout out to Jalen and Ryan and make sure you guys go double click. Um, we're going to link them in the IG post so you guys can go and check out their content. And as I said, again, Mark, February 14th, Valentine's Day. You shouldn't forget it because, you know, it's a holiday for some, maybe not for others, but you guys should make sure that you go check out some of their content that they have coming out. Um, but you guys have anything you want to say before we wrap up? Get out of here quickly. That's oh, good. Great. Really appreciate being on. Yeah. Thank you guys again. This was a great discussion. Definitely looking forward to hopping back on and, and talking more basketball and just providing more candid thoughts. Always. Always. So as I said, again, we'll wrap up and we'll talk to you guys next time. Make sure you guys like, comment, subscribe. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys. Take care.